Broadcasting live from the Hyundai studio, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. This is Chicago's number one and most listened to sports station. 670 The Score is Chicago Sports. Chicago Sports is The Score. WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. And Odyssey Station. The Score! Hit and run Sunday from 9 a.m. to noon. The hitter has to protect, and if it pitches two inches inside, he can't do much more. That's well hit, and Moncada with a home run. Number two. And it's 2-0. The 3-1. Ground ball. Rizzo can't get it. Ten around third. Here's a Well, it's been put in play by the Cubs. It's even come close to being a base hit. Here's the 0-1. Gomes hits one in the air. Deep left field. Going back is Peralta at the track. Looks up. It's gone. Until now. Jan Gomes tying the ball game up. A solo drive to left field. 1-1. Cubs and Diamondbacks here in the fourth. Jan Gomes. One for three, a solo home run in the fourth. Bases loaded, no one out. Ninth inning, the pitch. Line drive, hit into center field. It'll fall in for a base hit. Contreras scores, and the Cubs take the lead. Two to one over Arizona on the RBI single by Jan Gomes in the ninth. Hit and run Sundays from 9 a.m. till noon. It's time for Hit and Run with your host, Matt Spiegel. Well, thank you, Rick Party. Good morning, everybody. It is a Sunday morning. Time for baseball conversation all season long. What's up, everyone? Happy Sunday to you. Should be another pretty one around here today. I do believe, said the guy who really hasn't checked the weather forecast in detail. But you know what? It was so glorious yesterday. It's been really overall glorious for the past couple of days. I'm just going to go ahead and assume that baseball season and spring and eventually summer are here. Just we're locked and loaded. Can we be done with going back to things in the 40s or the 50s and dreary and such? Uh, that would be nice. Hope everyone is doing well. Looking forward to talking baseball with you, as I always do, on a Sunday morning in this two-team town. Three hours to do whatever we want. we got lots to do. Two ninth-inning wins, as you heard right there, and an open put together by our man Sean Sears, producing... Um, here's what's going on today. Paul Sullivan of the Chicago Tribune is coming on at 10 o'clock. Now, I love Sully. Sully is a, a venerable baseball salt. He is um, a pillar, as I use salt and pillar so close together for all you Bible fans on a Sunday morning. Um, he's, he's a pillar of baseball wisdom, an institution of sorts, and the man used to intern and be a runner for Mike Royko. But here's why he's on. Did you see Anthony Rizzo's hug on him? John Greenberg had tweeted it. The other day, oh, it, Rizzo's hug of Paul Sullivan just, just obfuscated Sullivan's face. You couldn't even see him. So we've got some of that to talk about with the Rizzo return. But Sully's been on the south side where the games of consequence against two teams that should be both in the playoffs, the red-hot New York Yankees and the Chicago White Sox, who last night with the walk-off have put themselves back just, what, two games back in the American League Central. I know it has felt terrible. I get it. But at 500, the White Sox at 16 and 16 are two back in a division 
that is going to be there for him. And if you've listened to me at all, either here on it and run on Sunday mornings or during the week with Danny Parkins, two to six, uh, you probably know how I feel, which is I think they are going to win this division still. And I still sit here saying that. I don't think there'll be much of a threat against very good teams who play a nice, complete and clean brand of winning baseball in the playoffs. I fear that a lot of those issues will come back. But I do believe that the talent level over the course of 162 is going to mean that the White Sox do eventually win this division. And they find themselves just two games back of Minnesota as we stand here. But Lord knows there are issues to discuss. There are frustrations. I know from the uh, couple of nights before this walk-off win and just in general if you're watching them and using your eyes. In fact, a little bit later on this hour, a national baseball voice lets you know, White Sox fans, that you're not alone in seeing what you see. So Sully's going to come on at 10, and we'll talk about both sides of town with him. Uh, There's some individual Cubs positives I want to focus on a little bit in the 10 o'clock hour. Some individual players who are are doing some things that, that need to be acknowledged, even as the team is struggling. But, you know, struggling speaks. This is a good moment. Enjoy the good moment. You like good stuff. Let the Cub fans feel happy. They just won a series in San Diego. Split the first couple in Arizona. It's all right. Could win another series today, this afternoon. Kyle Hendricks is is back and pitching like the Kyle Hendricks you know for the most part. Justin Steele today against Umberto Castellanos. That's fun to say. Uh, Today at 310 Central, you'll hear that one on 670, the score. Uh, By the way, the White Sox and Yankees with their final game at 1 o'clock today. Nestor Cortez of the Yankees, who was just tremendous his last time out, against Michael Kopech, who has been very, very good with regularity for the White Sox. So we'll talk about some of that in the 10 o'clock hour, as I mentioned. At 11 o'clock, Jack McMullen, that is the play-by-play broadcaster for the AAA Indianapolis Indians of the Pittsburgh Pirates system. They just had the White Sox AAA team. For a week, that's how the schedule works in the minors now. It's the same two teams battling it out for one week to minimize travel. And in a developmental league, I think it makes all the sense in the world. I've heard good things from uh, friends of mine that work in the minors. So Jack has just seen um, a bunch of Charlotte Knights of consequence, including including Yolbert Sanchez, who White Sox fans are kind of desperate for, hoping he comes up to play second base sometime soon. He just saw Andrew Vaughn on a rehab assignment. Your mean Mercedes is down there now. Jake Berger is down there now. And Jack also has seen plenty of Iowa. So he's seen Brennan Davis, Cub fans. He has seen Caleb Killian, who's absolutely great right now for the AAA Des Moines, Iowa Cubs, and is probably looking at a call-up sometime This season, we'll see how ready Jack thinks he is. And we'll also get a chance to talk through some of those minor league rules that uh, will be coming your way in the bigs, the pitch clock. I know that Jack had a game last night. I think he said there were, what, 11 walks, 13 walks. I could look back at at the text. But the game, the full game got in in less than three hours. Yeah. So 17 combined walks, actually, Sean Sears. 17 combined walks. In a nine-inning AAA game last night, two hours and 57 minutes with the pitch clock. Ah, man, that's, uh, that's music to MLB's Nears. I, I, I think so. And their ears. I mean, it, Nears are like, I, I don't even know where the Nears are. Where is that? What part of the body are the Nears I think it's on? near the ear. 
<laughs> it's like an auxiliary ear that's yeah. near the ear. Just like the area in front of it, you know. Yeah, yeah, that makes all the sense in the world. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. As you can hop in and talk Cubs and Sox and anything you like. Um, and we'll get to, to, to matters of import. But look, I got to tell you, it's a beautiful night to be at a ball game last night. Me and two other dads, my brother-in-law being one of them, three, uh, three dads with our three boys. One boy at 10, one boy at 11, one boy at 12, hanging out at the White Sox game. We, we tried to get there early and enjoy the tailgate, but we couldn't for a, a couple different reasons. We should have. It would have been a beautiful day to hang out for a good two, three hours in the, uh, in the parking lot, play catch, play bags, that kind of thing. Saw people doing it. But then we went in, and we all took different moments, all three dads, I kept noticing this, uh, trying to get our boys into the game, you know? I had a point where like, uh, hey, Ruben, what's the score? What's the score of the game? Oh, yeah, there's a game going on, is, is what I saw on his face. <laughs> As he was enjoying peanuts and then later on dipping dots and, and you do what you do. Um, what's the score? Oh, okay. Um, three nothing? No, that's, that's two nothing. How many outs? I don't know. Where are outs? You see that big O over there? B-S and O, ball strikes and outs. So, you know, we would all do that kind of thing. All the dads would take, take turns trying to get the kids in. For me... Because Ruben likes math, I was like, hey, what do you think exit VEL means? And he's like, velocity? I'm like, well done, sir. Well done. Yes. Exit velocity. That's right. That's how hard they hit it. Every single pitch you see right there. Um, and, you know, you have different levels of, of involvement from the kids and sometimes from the dads. It's a ballpark on a beautiful night. There's lots to do. There's lots to look around, things to eat, people to talk to, fun to be had. It's okay to experience it on a multiple different levels, right? You're exposing them to the, uh, the joys and, and the feeling and the vibes, babe, of the ballpark. Um, end of the game, trying to establish the drama of the moment, the importance of the tension that was standing there before us. White Sox had a 2-0 lead. Then they eventually blew it, and now it's 2-2, and now they're batting. And if they can, if they can get a hit here with that guy on, on second, he's very fast, and they can win it. And nobody of my six was as into it as your uh, local broadcaster right here, as your multi-level baseball person speaking to you right now on 670 The Score. Me, I'm taking notes. I was uh, uh, texting Chris Tannehill briefly. I, I was clearly, I was needing someone else to feel the magic of the tension with me. I was baseball lonely at the game. I'm at the game. I think I have a problem. Like, what? I wasn't feeling the drama and the tension enough. Everybody's having fun. I'm like, yeah, it's fun, but let's watch the game. I think I have issues. Don't I? I think I have issues. But at the end, um, even though the kids weren't super emotionally engaged in the, uh, the balls and strikes of it, they did notice when the entire ballpark exploded with happiness and there were fireworks and people high-fiving strangers, the kids feeling it, joining in, good vibes, happiness. Um, then it took a long time to get out of there, as it, as it sometimes does. If you wait until the end, it can be a little bit of a battle. But boy, that, that was fun. And that was a glorious sort of Chamber of Commerce kind of night. Uh, for the White Sox and and that ballpark, so great to be there, and I recommend going to ball games. You know, this is the thing that I, I think about sometimes. If you're listening to Hit and Run, you probably already are somebody who's going to go to ball games. You know, 
Um, but if you've been thinking about it and you're like, oh, it's too much of a hassle. Yeah, it's a hassle. Traffic can be something. Um, getting out can be something. Um, all of that can be uh, a little, you know, things are, are a little pricey, sure. But, oh, my God, the, the joy and the vibes on a beautiful night with the family, birthing uh, new, new fans and future fans. Highly recommend. Hi, I'm Matt Spiegel, and I recommend going to baseball games. Had a good time there uh, last night, that's for sure. All right, let's talk about some of the specifics with these wins last night. With you, the White Sox fans, and you, the Cub fans. I, I'm wondering, really, for Sox fans, how do you feel? Are you, are you in the same kind of place that you've been? Like, they are frustrating. And believe me, I know about the daily Tony LaRusso bullpen frustrations Especially that's a guy who was brought in because of his schematic genius, theoretically, and his comfort in managing a bullpen. And this is a big, big money bullpen. So there is the daily bullpen frustrations and the daily um, issues of watching a game and saying, man, they just don't play super clean. But this is also a really good, talented team. And now that Yohan Moncada is back and feeling comfortable being himself from both sides of the plate. And by being himself, I mean taking pitches. That walk that he drew off Chapman last night, that's a big deal. It's a big, big deal. You know, obviously the homer he hit the other night to tie it in what ended up being the 15-7 loss, that was a big deal. And he'll he'll have hits that matter, but just taking pitches, his presence... In that lineup between T.A. and Abreu and then eventually Luis Robert, that is the correct top four right now. If I'm Tony La Russa, and I'm not, I lock in on that as my top four for a good long while. Don't mess with it unless you need to for some reason. Yeah, I like the balance at the top of the White Sox lineup. Like you said, Moncada, if he's going to show a little more patience there, that's a, that's a big, big building block for that White Sox lineup then. That's, that's what he does. He, he used to do it, obviously, to a fault. All those called strike threes he took in his first full season, thinking he should get the respect that he hadn't earned yet. He has earned it now. He does have a good eye. <clears throat> and when you're comfortable being patient like he is, do it, especially in this lineup. It is, it, it is an, an offensive DNA game changer for this lineup. So... You know, uh, that walk is such a big deal because then it means all you're worried about off Chapman is contact. Get a little bloop. Get a little dribbler. Just a little bingle. And that's what Robert did, right? He could shorten up and just know, I just got to get make some contact. Get a little base hit. And T.A. can sprint home and you'll win on the walk-off as they did last night. It's a huge walk. And those things just mean so much. And I, I've been frustrated at times watching the aggression at the top of that White Sox lineup when it was, you know, Anderson and Robert and then Abreu. No, no, no. Moncada back is a big deal. It'd be nice to get Yasmani Grandal playing well. But there's other frustrations too. Yasmani Grandal being out there last night to finish defensively when you've got a lead. I, I, I feel like Tony does not acknowledge and maybe it's a respect thing with a veteran like Grandal 
but that guy should not finish tight games when Reese McGuire's available and Grandal does not have another at bat coming in the eighth or the ninth. If Grandal hits in the eighth like he did last night, go ahead and replace for defense in a tight game. It's a one-run game. You might need to control the running game. With Grandal out there, absolutely no chance of doing that. No chance. And there's other things with Grandal out there. Watching last night, seeing the lead from third base. I guess it was Glaber. It was Glaber out there um, with the lead from third base, Glaber Torres. And seeing, you know, the, the aggressiveness with which that lead is taken from third base because Grandal's not going to throw it out there behind him in a one-run game. And you could argue that very few catchers would. You know Contreras would. <laughs> that is an aggressive man. But, man, guy on third in a one-run game should be afraid of taking a lead that big, afraid of, uh, of, of being halfway down the line and then slowly walking it back. So I, I struggle with seeing Grandal out there defensively to finish games. So anyway, look, it is 32 games in. There are 130 more to go. 100 games before you even get to September when you'll be fighting it out for that division lead. Theoretically. Or will they step up and take charge over these next couple of months, as I think they ought to, frankly, and be in first place in that division with some sense of command and confidence by the middle of July. Lots to talk about. Phone lines are open at 312-644-6767. Uh, more to talk about from the night at the ballpark. And we can certainly talk about that with you, your ballpark experience, if you'd like. White Sox fans, how you feeling? We'll get to those Cubs individual positives a little bit later on as well. Paul Sullivan, top of the hour. Your calls and anything you want regarding MLB. Chris Kampka, by the way, the Sultan of Stat from NBC Sports Chicago, will join us around 1130 for Camp Connected, tying the room together as he always does, like a nice area rug. Looking forward to that. And you can also text us via the text zone, brought to you by Hyundai of Algonquin, Rose and Hyundai of Algonquin. So 312-644-6767 to get in. It's Speaks on Hit and Run on a Sunday morning here on The Score. The premier baseball show in Chicago. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel. Another 3-2 and a base hit to center. Tim around third should be able to score no problem. And he does. It's one to nothing. That is the first run scored in inning number one for the White Sox. They win it over the Yankees last night, 2-1. to one. Some interesting stuff to think about and talk about from the course of that game. It speaks, by the way, here with you on a Sunday morning hit and run. Um, the bullpen, I'm trying to figure out exactly what the limitations are for the bullpen. Because Lord knows I get frustrated on the daily with Tony. I know a lot of people do, but boy, he's got some awkward limitations for big money relievers in that bullpen. And um People wrote about it this week. Jim Margulis over at Sox Machine, one of the best. He wrote about it. James Fegan over at The Athletic, he wrote about it. About And, and both with the issues concerning this. When you spend a lot of money in the bullpen, as the White Sox have, and a lot of, uh, a lot of assets, you know, Garrett Crochet, a first-round pick, and then let's bring him up and use him. Um, trading 
Madrigal and Cody Hoyer to get Kimbrell, and that obviously doesn't work out. But spending real money for Hendricks, spending money for Graveman, spending money for Joe Kelly, going out to get to Para, and it 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 all it really does make sense with how important the bullpen is, and with a guy schematically like Tony and with Ethan, cats the way they think about it. But there's just so much volatility in the bullpen because arms get exhausted and arms get tired. And then people need days and they need days off. And sometimes there are situations that we don't fully understand going on. The realities of the limitations in managing this high-priced bullpen have to be acknowledged. And, and, and a lot of people have been thinking about it this week. So I'm trying to think about it a, a little bit as well. Because when you spend big money in the bullpen... It should mean, theoretically, that you have fewer limitations because you've got, oh, I got this guy and that guy and this guy. I'm cool here. But the limitations are kind of inherent to the roles of the bullpen. And if the limitations are indeed inherent to the roles, then maybe it should mean less prioritization of spending. That's certainly a thought process um, that is common sometimes for people weary about uh spending money in the in the pen that like the limitations are 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 going to be inherent to the roles so maybe they are but i I, you know help me out white Sox fans if you've been following along listening to everything post game and i know that some of our uh our our smartest white Sox listeners are out there and i always appreciate it graveman is essentially not going to be used two days in a row at the moment that's news Joe Kelly also maybe not going to be used two days in a row. Trying to figure out from like the hints that LaRusa has said and the management, the Graveman management is concerning to me because he is probably your best overall reliever, especially right now because Liam Hendricks is not throwing sliders with confidence at all. Like I think he only threw two sliders last night out of 21 pitches. The other, the other night in the blow-up against Cleveland, he couldn't get the slider over the plate, so he just kept coming back with heat, and everybody, including Josh Naylor, knew it was coming. I love Graveman's arm. I love Graveman's stuff. Love his mentality. Um, but did not realize he was going to come with some of the management limitations and concerns. And Kelly, it's still early for him. Obviously, a disaster the other night when he couldn't find the plate. Last night made some decent pitches, just, you know – Things, things got in his way in terms of uh, some balls finding the holes and stuff like that. But trying to figure out what the limitations are because it's, it's trickier. So it's not as if it is a push-button situation for Tony in his defense. And there still will be daily TLR frustration and anger because this is baseball and this is how it works. But, man, I'll say one thing that I really do believe uh, passionately and as I'm talking about Graveman, maybe you'd understand and, and, and agree. I know a texture already got in with it as well. That Graveman is, is, should be setting up Hendricks. Graveman should be like, to me, eighth inning and or seventh inning if you're going to use him for two innings. Seventh or eighth. If you want to go to somebody in that middle closer spot, that person to come out of the pen in the fifth or the sixth and put out a flame, we know we have seen that. Um, from Renato Lopez, it could also be Joe Kelly. Like, if it's a choice between Kelly for the eighth inning 
or Graveman for the eighth inning, obviously depending on the matchups. I'd rather see Kelly in there in the middle innings and Graveman Hendricks. Going out Graveman Hendricks is when is what you want, in my opinion. Like you could get, especially on a night when they're rested, you ought to be able to get seven, eight, and nine out of Graveman and Hendricks. I feel like that's what you envisioned, right? When you when you sign guys like Kelly and Graveman, that they're getting you to that Hendricks option there in the ninth. It hasn't quite worked out that way, but it's also early. Like we haven't seen too many outings here. Hopefully this bullpen kind of works through some things, but it's it's a concern because, you, like you said, you allocated a lot of money to this bullpen, and it hasn't quite been dominant. Well, yeah, you got to figure out so so what order guys are doing it, and if they are doing it based on you know swing plane versus pitch type. And certainly matchups you'd hope would be the focus. You know, maybe there's a reason that Graveman was first in terms of the lineup. And I'm open to it. Maybe there's a reason that Graveman was first out of that pen last night. But, boy, I, I, I really I love the idea. If you, if you as a team can start the seventh with Graveman, knowing you've got Hendricks in the back, I think you're feeling like game is over. You're having that anxiety reduction of my two best guys are here to go. And obviously bummer would be available when healthy in between those guys, if needed or in addition to those guys. But I know Kelly has been a closer. I know Kelly has been an eighth inning guy, but right now to me, Kelly is uh, not somebody I would use before um, Graveman in terms of the late innings. 312-644-6767 is the phone number speaks with you here on hit and run. You want to hop in? You can do it. A couple open phone lines for you. Uh, let's go to Dave on the south side, who's on the score. Dave, good morning. You're on Hit and Run. How are you? Good morning, Speaks. Love your show. Thanks, Let me buddy. make this real quick. You were talking about the baseball experience. I'm 65 years old. Have not missed an opening day with my son, who was 27, since he was nine. Used to write phony notes to get him out of school to make these. <laughs> and my biggest frustration at this time is they're still only taking credit cards at the vendors. I give cash. I'm a big tip guy. I love it. They work for tips. I wish we could get back to normal and take cash to vendors and the registers. Oh, I guess Dave. my point, I want to make it short. I love I love your pitching analogies because I agree with you with Craven, but that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dave. I appreciate the call. You know, man, I'm sorry. I, I got to tell you, you got to step into – the modern credit card world and just embrace it. I know. I feel you. It feels nice to tip in cash. You can still tip with the credit card and it still gets to them. Fun fact, if um, if the people are doing their jobs right, they take those cash tips at the concessions and they put them in a jar and they all share their tips. At the end of the night, they count them up all together. Then they do some math and figure it out and split it up. When you tip on the credit card, that should be, and you know, man, this is worth looking into for fan peace of mind, but that should be going to the same kind of overall group till that is then split up between the people that are there. Lord knows when I tip a vendor with a credit card, when they're coming around with a beer or a hot dog, or I tip a vendor at a concession stand on the credit card, and I choose the 20% option as opposed to the 10% option, or the 15% option. They seem to appreciate it in the same way that they did when I gave them a five as opposed to two singles, you know? So if they're appreciating it and they understand and, and they're getting what they need, then, man, you just have to embrace it. I got to tell you, going to the ball game last night, I left the wallet in the car. I grabbed the single card and the ID 
the credit card and the ID, put that in the pocket. I'm traveling lighter. My 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 shorts are fitting into the say, seat man, more comfortably. It's summertime. You don't want baggy shorts. You can't have too many stuff on there. That's what I'm saying. You can eliminate the entire wallet. This is the beauty. See, that's great. Of the card-only system. Embrace it. I know even you, Dave. You can get there, man. You can get there. Think about it. Just that card in the pocket. And let's say you're wearing a jacket or a shirt with a pocket. You put that card up top. You don't even have to get up and, like, tussle with your pants and, like, reach back for the wallet, possibly expose something that shouldn't be exposed. If you're not wearing a belt, I'm trying to wear a belt, though. My wife is helping me remember, you know, Matt, wear a belt, for God's sakes. But, yes, I I think uh, what I'm trying to say is, Dave, Get with the times, babe. I'm not on Team Cash anymore. I'm just, I'm just not. This is W. Wilson. This is Twitchy Wilson. On, he's not on Twitch, though. He's on the phone lines. He dialed a number. It's, the number is 312-644-6767 if you want to talk baseball this morning on Hit and Run. What's up, Wilson? What's up, Steegs? How you doing, bud? I, I'm good, man. I don't even know what to call you anymore. I, I know you as, 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 as Twitchy, as W. Wilson Twitchy. There's too many Wilsons. There's a W involved. What do I call you, W. Wilson? You, get, right. you, you call me Twitchy, man. That, right, that Twitchy. was still... That, that was the highlight of that was the highlight of the of Shane's uh, barbecue out in the parking lot with you yelling, Twitchy, Twitchy, come here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Twitchy, what you got? Uh, hey, a couple of things. So my son is thirteen and uh he's never played baseball. It was never his thing. And I take him like twice a year to a game and little by little he's been more and more interested. And I mean I've been doing this since he's been eight and I took him a couple weeks to go to a game, and he was finally keeping track of the score, and he knew what inning we were in. It used to be literally I'd have to take his phone by the seventh inning or else he would run out of battery, and then the car ride home would be hell. Um, but, yeah, just it, it gets better. Over time, I think it just sinks in like, hey, this is something that I should appreciate. I don't do it all the time. Yeah, man. It, 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 it really is. It, it, you know, because it's a nice, relaxing evening when done correctly. It's just a matter of working on the logistics to get – in and out on the front part. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And as far as the White Sox are concerned, I mean, the way the Central is set up, I, yeah, the Twins are going to be a bigger pest. I'm not worried about I'm not worried about the division. I'm worried about the fact that this was a team that had championship aspirations. We were told the window is open. I, you know, you kind of almost LaRusa proof the team. You went out and you got him a seventh, eighth, and ninth inning guy. I mean, okay, Hendricks had his struggles this year. But even if it's, you know, Kelly, Graveman, Hendricks, and you really only need your starting pitching to go six, it's still set up where, you know, Tony can just sit back and kind of watch. And it, it seems like that's all he's done because now you're seeing less fundamental baseball. You're seeing bullpen usage that makes no sense. And like you were talking even earlier with Grandall being in there after he batted in the eighth, there's no reason not to have a defensive replacement in the ninth and make sure that that game stays in hand where instead here we are hoping for a walk-off because, you know, if they don't get that run in the ninth, chances are we're looking at a 10th inning blow-up again because who are you going to put in the 10th? Yeah, well, he saves Matt Foster for the 10th. That was, he was, that's what he was doing the other night. And maybe Matt Foster is a guy who should get consideration as that middle closer, as that first guy out of the pen you know, in the fifth or the sixth to really put out a fire in a close game, whereas Ronaldo is the long man. So maybe that ought to be Foster. I just feel like Kelly ought to be sort of eased in at this point until he gets very, very comfortable because he has not looked very effective. Thanks for the call, Twitchy. Appreciate you. 312 644 
Look, I, this is me admitting on the bullpen stuff that it is often more complicated because of arms that need maintenance and need rest. And sometimes we don't know what that situation is. I stand by the criticism that I had the other night of, um, you, you know, when things really blew up, when they pulled ahead 9-7 did the Yankees, and then Tony kind of conceded right away and had Tanner Banks out there to face Giancarlo Stanton after leaving Kelly out there to face the lefty Rizzo. I stand by that because you're coming off an off day, man. You're coming off an off day, and everybody was fully rested. That was a very frustrating situation. But then when you get into the daily grind of pen to be used yesterday, pen to be used tomorrow, you've got a lot of things to manage and sort of deal with. That's why it's interesting that Dallas Keuchel was so passionate last night about wanting to go out there for the sixth. And we'll get into that quote at some point here along the way because he described, he described what was a very tense fifth inning for the fans as saying he thought the fans were more upset about it than he was that the fans were more um, stressed out about it than he was, that he was just kind of working his way towards getting a lefty up there and getting Rizzo up there and then doing something with him as opposed to dealing with some righty matchups like Judge that he didn't really want any part of in that moment. So interesting stuff, and we'll see what develops. I do worry in general that Tony is sleepy, obviously, and he's had lots of moments of being sleepy. But, like, here's the bigger thing. We have struck a chord. My, my phone, my personal phone, has exploded with input about the credit card versus cash at, at the ballpark. Oh, and, really? And I, oh, I've got people giving me thoughts on both sides. I've got texters at 312-644-6767 here on the tech zone with their thoughts. So that is certainly mixed in if you, if you want to talk about it. I stand by the single card move. And the lightning of the pants load, if you will. And I don't mean that in any way other than the way that I'm discussing right now. I didn't take it any other way either. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. 312 644 6767 is the phone number. Paul Sullivan at the top of the hour. Room for your phone calls on Cubs and Sox between now and then. And uh, there is a national MLB voice that sees what you see, White Sox fans. We'll get to it as well here on Hit and Run on the Score. The premier baseball show in Chicago. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel. The 1-1. Hayward, broken back, ground ball. Diving stop by Marte. Throws to first in time to get Hayward. But another run comes home as Hap scores. And it's now 4-1 Cubs over the Diamondbacks in the ninth. Jason Hayward with the ground ball to the right side. Doing a new thing here on Hit and Run on a Sunday morning, and Lord knows it should have happened a long time ago. Um, Playing music bumps that fit and match the opponents for our locals. Go ahead and bring this one up here, Sean Sears. Now, this is a beautiful section of The Only Living Boy in New York by Simon and Garfunkel from um, Bridge Over, the album Bridge Over Troubled Water or the album that had Bridge Over Troubled Water and so long Frank Lloyd Wright, but that's not the name of the album. Can't remember the name of the album. It's going to drive me insane. Um, But anyway, that's the New York music bump. Sure, that's the Arizona game that we're playing there with the Cubs. But, Sean, this is our day one. We're working out some kinks here. So, And not the kinks. We're not working them out because the kinks are not from either Arizona or New York. 
who the uh, Cubs and the Sox are playing. So there will probably will be no kinks at any point during the process. But for the sake of transparency, that is a New York bump for the Arizona game. But it's okay. We'll get it right this next one. (laughs) Oh, I know we will. I know we will. But I I, I, I love it. I I had to point it out just because it makes me happy to hear music that I love like that. As uh, as Sean and I both uh, big music people. Not so much on the afternoon show. Parkinson Spiegel, two to six, uh, Monday through Friday. Uh, often your compatriots on 670 the score. 312 644 6767 if you want to hop in. Team credit card, team cash. Let's discuss. Um, the single card move is, is just, it's absolutely, unequivocally the way to go. A text here from Shlomo Matzabal, who I believe is Irish, who says that he went to a money clip about 10 years ago emphatic thumbs up for no cash. I'm a former bartender. Tough for me not to always have cash, but man, it's liberating. Happy, beautiful Sunday. Right back at you, Shlomo. Um, Other texters, though, getting in saying, look, you know what happens when you tip them with the card is that it gets taxed. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So there's other people getting in there. Also, texter says, I don't know if it's true, but a Beer food vendor at a counter at a Sox game told me they don't get the tips from the credit cards. I, that's why I always try to carry some cash to tip in cash because that way I know where it's going. So that's interesting for our caller and for others. You could carry cash and throw around cash like you're, you know, like you're a gangster, like, like you're a made guy. Here, who needs two bucks, huh? You need it? I got it. Just bring a pile of singles to the ballpark. That's the only place you go in your life these days where you need a pile of singles. Bring a big batch of fives. Team cash, team no cash. This is Jason in Westmont on 670 The Score. Jason, good morning. Welcome into Hit and Run. How are you? I'm doing well. Good morning, Speeds. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, so uh, I'm definitely on uh, team credit card here with this one. It's just faster. It's easier. It's more sanitary. It just gets things moving quicker, but... Much like uh, some of your other callers and textures, when it comes to tipping, you got to go with cash. It's just uh, it's just the way to go. Everybody can appreciate how much uh, uh, you appreciate them by that dollar, five dollar, twenty that you put in that in that cup. All right. So 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 we've happened on the the happy medium here. So team credit card, but bring cash for the tip. I I can't do it, man. I love the cleanliness. I love the cleanliness of single card living. It's just, whew, I feel fancy free. I feel like gloriously, blissfully near naked, which of course nobody wants at the ballpark. But you know what I mean? I feel, I feel more seamless, more streamlined, more comfortable getting around the ballpark. Single card living, baby. But, you know, I, 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 I do have concerns about, uh, about the portion of the tips, but I've, I, I, need, I need those fears to be laid. I'm told, by the way, that the Chicago Dogs, our independent league friends over at the Chicago Dogs, just a delightful experience up there in Rosemont, um, had a credit card system that, that went down a little bit on Friday night. There was a couple innings where people were panicked. No one was able to get anything. Um, there was there was screaming ketchup and mustard got in a big fight up the first baseline. It was ugly. It was ketchup and mustard everywhere. If people haven't seen over the Chicago Dogs games, their um, ketchup and mustard are both represented in mascot form. And ketchup is a villain, which is funny. I don't agree. 
but Ketchup is a villain. He's wearing an overcoat oh, and man. like a dark spy vibe. It's like a spy versus spy thing. Like uh, Mustard is just super friendly and lovable, and Ketchup's a villain. But guess who the kids like more? Go ahead. Guess which of the two mascots the kids like more? That's right. It's Ketchup. Somewhere I got pictures of, uh, of our boy with both Mustard and Ketchup, and he seems to be smiling a little bigger with Ketchup. I got to tell you. Now, granted, I think he likes ketchup more than mustard. Maybe that's it, too. I don't know. It's tough to argue with ketchup. It hits uh, all of the taste buds all at once. All at once. 670, the score is where you are. 312-644-6767 is the phone number if you want to hop in. Um, with that Cubs game last night, Wilson Contreras drawn a leadoff walk there in the ninth after a rough game Friday night in which he did not reach base uh, via a hit and some other issues that were going on for Contreras on Friday night. That's for sure. Uh, He was again, as a DH present and effective last night. And Jan Gomes was good last night. Jan Gomes with the Homer and then the RBI single as part of that ninth inning. And there are, there are some individual positives to discuss as we will be discussing a little bit after Paul Sullivan, but I got to address this on Contreras because you look at it objectively from the state of the team right now, from the state of the farm system, um, from the state of the league and where we are in terms of catchers. I mean, there is no regular catcher with an OPS even over eight other than Wilson Contreras and his obviously is a lot better than that. It's crazy, though. Among all the catchers in baseball, I mean, Sal Perez is under 800. JT Real Muto is under 800. There's some who don't, aren't, don't have uh, enough at-bats to qualify in terms of the batting leaders. But in terms of, like, actual catchers who have played enough and hit enough, Contreras is having the best year by far. And obviously he's gotten a bit better defensively in terms of framing. Um, and he also has a terrific arm, uh, as we know, and is playing aggressive, playing with passion. David Ross quoted this week saying that this is the best he's ever seen Wilson. Jed Hoyer also saying that, especially offensively, the best the man has ever played. Sean, longtime Cubs guy, you see that, right? That's oh, a great version of him. Definitely. This has been, this is easily the best case scenario for Wilson. I saw, and I don't know if this is still up to date here, I'll have to take a look here, but I saw just even like a couple days ago, his weighted runs creation plus was nearly 25 points higher than that next catcher. So it was him at like 143. The next highest was, I think, Darno at like 121. He's mm-hmm. been absolutely one of the most efficient offensive guys right now. And especially when you talk about the position he's playing, like everything else you just listed there is what you're looking for in a catcher. And then the guy's also showing he's probably your best power bet in a lineup that doesn't have that right now. So, so right now, Wilson playing this well, and you know the trade deadline is coming. You know that certain teams don't need catchers and won't want to go out and do it. But there's a big old obvious fit suddenly in New York where James McCann is on the injured list for a couple of months here, and that team is not afraid to do anything. So that's interesting. And I I know how frustrating it is for Cub fans to see a guy playing this well, a guy that you have watched and seen grow and has been often as likable as Wilson has, um, emotional and passionate and so good. But he does have to be dealt. Like I, I hope that, that Cub fans understand 
it stinks, but this is where you are. Now, you could argue that the organization put you here by making the decisions that they made. The first move is trading Darvish and acknowledging and showing the world that, yeah, probably probably going to be looking to flip the roster because they didn't think they could and or didn't want to sign so many of the offensive core. And then all of them got dealt. All of them. Rizzo and Bryant and Baez and obviously Schwarber non-tendered. But Contreras is going to be dealt. It, I, it, it, it stinks to watch a guy be that good and I'm sure to want him and feel like, man, he should be here. But at his age, with the state of catching and how long guys last and the value that you could get for him right now and where you are as a franchise, what your life cycle is as a franchise, I'll be very, very surprised if he's not dealt. Yeah. And I will look at the Mets situation as one to focus on very closely in the immediate future here. And we'll see. Maybe the Mets think they can survive and wait till McCann comes back. That's uh, the Mets are the team I look at and say, like, if Wilson Contreras gets dealt, they have the pieces and the, you know, the fit there where it's going to make sense. But I don't know. The bat helps right now. DH could be available there. So there's course, options. Of course it does. Of course, of course it does. Um, but it, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's a sad reality of, of where things are. And you can acknowledge where you are as a life cycle in terms of winning, losing, building, et cetera. And trading Wilson makes all the sense in the world. It is Speaks here with you on Hit and Run. 670, the score is where you are. Paul Sullivan in the Tribune joins us next. Keep it right here. Good morning, everyone.